Kokesh for that. What's going on, Ed? Why did that sound weird? That, that, that sounded weird. What, what was going on with that new music? And there's some like funny artwork in my feed. Uh, oh. What, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new era. Um, we've uh, we've changed the name of our podcast. We have, which I think I think it's about eight years overdue. This name change. Episode three hundred ninety four. We'd always in our vision all those years ago. We thought around about four hundred episodes. Yeah. We'll just randomly Which change we, the name of the feed. Because, like, we A, we have done more than 400 episodes because that number doesn't count World Cups and Euro it specials, does. I don't think. It does. And it counts. It does? It, yeah, yeah, it counts World oh, Cup okay. and Euro specials, yeah. It doesn't count Patreon shows. No, that's true. But there's been a few rounding errors as well with numbers. Where well, in, in cleaning up our feed, which is I have done over the... Yeah, so sorry sorry if you ended up with 100 rant cards yes, from the uh, yes. first 10 years in your feed. Yes, well, hopefully you got some nostalgia out of that, if nothing else. <laughs> um, so, yes, I, I did go through an effort to clean up the feed and summaries and all the stuff you're supposed to do that we didn't do back in the day. Um, and uh, we had two missing shows, two shows that Paul and I recorded that for various reasons never got edited. Uh, and then we recorded one with the same number twice. So if, ladies and gentlemen, you can... Oh, and and actually, and we recorded one with A and one with B, even though the B was just a random interview. So uh, actually, we're at the correct number. Okay. We've done 10 years of this. Um, we are changing the name uh, for, for a whole load of reasons. One... I mean, the, sh- the names never really re- reflected the show. The name came out of the blog, which I think it, it really did represent in two th- where you were at with Man United in 2005. Uh, rage! You see, I was way yeah. ahead of Arsenal fan TV and all of that kind of stuff. Exactly. And that's kind of the other reason why we've changed the name, because, you know, like there are literally people associated with the club who use the word rant in their name, not associated with the club, but like covering the club. And it just isn't what we do. We don't, like, we try to offer constructive analysis. We try to bring the best of what our understandings to this. We try to be nuanced and subtle and, you know, maybe sometimes that doesn't happen, like Wayne Rooney's last five years of his career. But generally speaking, we try to do this without sort of agendas and without without a sort of ranting mindset. So, yeah, we thought we'd uh, we'd switch things up. And, and so why... NQAT. No question about that. It just sounded great when you wrote a list of potential names and I just liked it so much. First of all, it's sort of um, slightly ironically declarative. Like there's everything we say, no question about that. We're definitely right, which we're obviously not by any stretch of the imagination. No. (laughs) Sorry, Ed. I'm obviously not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, And then, you know, it's, it's, it's the most iconic Fergie quote, isn't it? Not, I mean, quote, but Catch like Fergieism. Yeah. yeah. I suppose you could have, so should have called it nay question about that, but that would have sounded a bit forced. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's it. Name change. You may see some other changes coming to the pod over time, including the first one here. What's going on? There's a Friday pod. Yeah, this is it. As we said last week, we are going to be doing two shows a week from now on, which is one of the reasons that the name change seemed like this seemed like as good a time as any to 
take the opportunity to do that because we are kind of changing things up. And generally speaking, the Friday podcast won't start with a 20-minute indulgent ramble about our podcast. Um, It's going to be pretty tight. We're going to cover any midweek games, cover any big news and preview the weekend's game, hopefully in a little bit more detail than we've often previewed games at the end of an hour hour and a half long show where we've talked about like four different games by that point and taken 25 minutes of listener questions, which we love to do, of course. But um, it's the kind of... At that point, by the end of the show, there isn't really that much time or inclination to do in-depth previews of most games. Oh, that's right. And we'll be a bit more immediate with the the uh, the highs of the Europa League and hmm, the Champions League next year. More, more like the Europa Conference next year, where trips to Kazakhstan will be the norm. Not not what we've got now, sadly. How, how fitting that the first episode of our new era is um, uh, covering a 10-4 kickoff in Kazakhstan. Uh, absolutely extraordinary levels of ridiculous peak 21st century Manchester Unitedness about this one. Um, I have to say, obviously a, a bad result, but I, I feel like a bit like, you know, if you were covering a youth game, you wouldn't necessarily be saying that the result was the most important thing. You're looking for signs of development. You're looking for promise. You're looking for how the players handle the stage. And I thought the the youngsters, for the most part, did themselves a, a, a decent amount of credit. Well, especially in that first half. I mean, they were, they were dominant. A couple of half chances for the home side, but uh, United moves the ball around really well, created chances. Everyone looked confident, pretty secure at the back. Lots of lots of strong performances, um, especially from Angel Gomez and from Mason Greenwood. Um, Chong was okay until his sort of second half miss. We can talk about that in a bit. He did okay. Um, he's taking he takes a lot of flack for someone who's played 190 minutes in all competitions this season. I mean, people just want to write him off so quickly. Luke Shaw got some minutes under his belt and didn't... Belt being the operative word. Listen, I'm not in a position to talk about this, but um, he, he, honestly... He did look a bit chunky, didn't he? He looked a bit rubbish, is what he looked. Like, as well as not like not looking like he's at peak fitness, which is, I don't know, fair enough, I guess. Um, he just... he's just, I, can't, I can't see it happening at this point for Luke Shaw, you know? No, you know, and a, a story in the press before the game against Estana that Brandon Williams is now ahead of Luke Shaw in the pecking order and Shaw's been told this. And history will tell us that Shaw will not necessarily kick on from that. You know, he hasn't always um, behaved in the most professional manner, although, of course, you know, over the last 18 months or so, he's really tried hard to get fit. He just can't stay fit and his performances haven't been that high. So, But he's got a, he's got some minutes under his belt. That's important. Uh, because we don't want Ashley Young playing too many minutes, let's be honest. Um, mm-hmm. And Brandon Williams is not going to be able to play every every game from now until the end of the season, uh, as positive as his start has been. And and it kind of speaks to the elevation to the, the first 11 that Brandon Williams wasn't in this side, now too senior to play in this side. So uh, of the players in the team, the senior players were Lee Grant making his first competitive start for the club. Random, but yes. No, he, surely he's played in the League Cup. I don't think he has. Wow. I've, I've, no, he he did. Did he? he? He was in goal for a penalty shootout. Oh, well, maybe, maybe um, he's against first someone Euro- I can't remember, European but definitely, game, yeah. definitely uh, first European. And Axel Tunzebi coming back from uh, injury, uh, I guess, in minutes. Uh, sure, we mentioned. And Jesse Lingard amongst his peers, at least mentally. 
if not in terms of actual age. Wow. I know. I know. Uh, low, low. Unnecessary. We, we, like, I feel like that's, that's kind of group thinking, Ed, for you. It, it is a little bit. Eight minutes at the beginning about how we're changing the name to reflect our deep thinking <laughs> and you know, rant on about Ashley. Ashley? Uh, Jesse Lingard. Um, so, look, uh, anyway, look, lots, of, lots of positive performances, especially in that, that first half. And I, look, I don't think anything that happened in the second half where United conceded the goal and then kind of let the game get away from them, uh, I think a lot, and weren't really able to impose themselves on the game. I don't think anything there will break these players or you know is going to provide a blocker in terms of uh, a pass through the first team or their development or any of that kind of nonsense, which I did see some of it post-match. As I as I um I totally was concentrating on my work at ten to four in the afternoon and not on this game, <laughs> honest. I I have to say I was concentrating on work and I re- I recorded the game, which meant I got to play it back in fast forward, which is kind of the ideal way to watch United a lot of the time. Um, so I, I want some I want to say some things about the first half. Um, I I didn't think Chong and Gomez were particularly good in the first half, nor did I think they were bad. I thought the the players that stood out for me positively in the first half were Greenwood and then Garner and Levitt in the centre of midfield. I mean, I know the level of opposition is what it is, but the, the, I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be really hard for one of Pereira in particular and Fred not to get the Luke Shaw treatment and and be behind a teenager in the pecking order pretty soon. I mean, I definitely. I mean, you know. It, you can overblow these things, but I can't see United being worse off with one of those two alongside Fred than Pereira alongside Fred. That's for sure. Sure, um, yeah. I mean, it's it, um, I, from what I've seen of these players, I, I it's not obvious to me that either is definitely mature enough to step into a Premier League side. I mean, I'm not making the argument that Andres Pereira is good enough, by the way. <laughs> so it doesn't mean it wouldn't be an upgrade, but. Also, it doesn't mean that uh, either of them is quite ready. James Garner, I do feel he'd really benefit from a year at a lower level. Uh, he's a, he's yeah, a lovely you, technical player, that. and uh, we're not quite sure what he'll turn into. I mean, he might be a Michael Carrick. He, he likes to sit a little deeper. Levitt's great technical skills, uh, can pass the ball, um, looks to get forward a little bit more, has played for Wales already or has been called up, yeah. Um, and uh, lots of lots of hope for him too. And they're both doing really well at under twenty three level. Um, and of this team, actually, the, the probably the player who's really stood out this season at under twenty three is Ethan Laird. And uh, and it's like a huge bonus that he got some time in the first team. He's obviously not got uh, an easy path through to the first team, although there isn't a lot of cover right back. Uh, for Aaron Wan-Bissaka, so he might get some games there. He's not going to get a loss of games in the way that Brandon Williams might for the next second half of the season. The thing I'd say about uh, Ethan Laird is a really attacking fullback, and we saw some of that today. Um, didn't always get a lot of joy and came under pressure in the second half, but uh, he, he creates a lot of chances. He scores goals as well because he's very two-footed. Yeah, Nick, at Man United Youth, friend of the show, um, said basically United's best option at this point would be for Aaron Rambasaka and Ethan Led to run into each other really quickly and merge into the perfect fullback. Yeah, and I think that's fair because obviously Rambasaka's weakness is in the final third, and and we're all hoping that all uh, that will come good and he'll be he'll become the sort of complete fullback. But uh, you know, Led's one for the future, but very promising. What else do you think about the game so, then? I mean, so it, I, I took, it doesn't, I took it doesn't mean anything in terms of United's qualification for the next round and 
Well, yeah. first or second place yeah. in the group is up for grabs, and that that is kind of important. But you'd think we're going to beat Almar at home. You think so? I mean, game. it depends how much of a gamble Oli wants to take because he could play some a similar lineup in that game as well. I mean, I, I think the question about the lineup is very interesting, and I wonder if it, if the game wasn't in Kazakhstan, I think it's less likely that they would have done it because I think it's almost like you look at the calendar and you go, actually, do you know what? We're going to make this a non-issue for the first team squad by. You know, I'm talking about making this decision a long time ago. That if we're qualified, we make this a non-decision, a non-issue for the first team squad. All that travel, all that playing in the freezing cold at this time of year when it's not quite that temp, those sort of temperatures here yet. So there's all the acclimatize, acclimatization and all that. You just go, okay, we're going to take a, a squad of kids, and I, I do think it was the right thing to do. It was an opportunity to do it for in terms of blooding the young players, but it's also an opportunity in terms of resting a very stretched to kind of breaking point first team squad. So I think that was all that was all good and sensible. Se- second half, um, I actually thought really they only got on top for fifteen minutes or so, just kind of did the damage and and. The, the first goal, I don't think any United player really did too much wrong. And Bernard actually did quite well. It was really tight to the player. And he just, he was a bit unlucky that the shot went through his legs, I thought. And then the second goal, I mean, what Luke Shaw was doing for that yeah. goal is, is absolutely crazy. Because first of all, he jogs back on the counter-attack. Kind of gets away with that because the counter-attack is not particularly fast. But instead of going to cover his position, I don't know if he didn't look to see if anyone was covering. But... First of all, like he's he's asking Angel Gomez, a tiny winger, to do it, even if someone is covering his position. And secondly, like Gomez was nowhere near ready to do that, and and Shaw had plenty of time to get out to the cross if he'd gone wide instead of central. Well, welcome kids to Luke Shaw's positioning. Lesson number one. <laughs> yeah, and then I just felt awful for Bernard, who had actually tried to score an own goal a few minutes earlier than that. and How it wasn't an own goal was was kind of amazing, given that he absolutely lashed at it from three yards out. But seeing the close-up of his face was really horrible because you could see he was trying to keep it together and in a state of like slightly dazed shock and you know you feel really sorry for him at that point. So I hope I hope they're all looking after him really well. Oh, I'm ju- um, I'm sure. And he I'm look if he's uh, if he's composed enough, he'll write that one off pretty quickly. And and again, he's he's performed well enough at under twenty three level that uh, he's earned that call up. I think. And and I suppose at the other end, uh, we briefly mentioned Chong earlier, uh, just a horrible miss from Luke Shaw's only good moment in the game, bursting down the left into the box and, and squaring it back. And Chong, he had all the time in the world. He really should have just taken a touch and rolled it in. The one thing he did brilliantly in that was the movement and positioning to be, he was in exactly the right place. And we've seen a lot of times the senior team this season not have anyone in those positions for those kind of cutbacks across the sort of six yard box. So, you know, as badly as he did for the finish, he did well to be in a position to to have that chance. Yeah. And, you know, he'll he'll score an awful lot more of those in his career than he'll miss. Oh, so sure. I think kind of and and he does score goals, Chong, because he can come out off either foot, off either either flank. Um, he's an attacking player. He's just he's just not quite ready for the first team. And I I have to say, I think the boneheads on Twitter who are having to go at him after the equivalent of two games as a professional, basically, uh, uh, are being very premature on this one. Uh, Luckhurst was. Uh, Joining in today, I mean, that just guy. please. Honestly, like, I've been being back on Twitter. I've blocked him 
not because he's ever said anything nasty to me or done anything nasty to me, but I just don't want to accidentally find out what he thinks about anything. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, after after the way he he treated fans in general over the Fabinho versus Matic thing, he kind of lost all I know, credibility, I know. really. And and just it's it's you can be wrong. God, how many times have been wildly wrong about players or managers or whatever on on the show, but it's it's the attitude of certainty that you're right and everyone else is wrong that bothers me. But anyway. Anyway, is... just, a, just a few notes on stats from the game, which I thought was kind of interesting, really. Um, a proper of not much, really, but, you know, let's go for it. 20 shots. There can't have been many games this season where the Manchester United have taken 20 shots. I mean, the full first team in Alkmaar only had about five, I think. <laughs> oh, true, five on target. Um, two-thirds of possession in this game says something about the technical qualities of this team, which I think is very high. You know, two-thirds of possession in any game is great. Away in Europe, in minus 20 degrees, not not bad. Um, 27 take-ons, which tells you just how positive some of these kids are, you know, mm. um, willing to carry the ball forward, uh, just willing to be super positive. So, I'm not worried about the result at all. I think it's a huge bonus for a lot of these players. Um, and say whatever you will about um, Solskjaer, and we've said plenty of negative things in the past few weeks, uh, but a United manager being prepared to do that, being prepared to risk criticism for another another loss, uh, I think you know it was a pretty brave decision, even if it is like our fourth choice competition in an almost dead rubber. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I also thought that um, Bugail Mella, I'm not sure about my pronunciation there, but uh, first of all, that is a very solid double-barreled name. Uh, one of the very rare double-barreled names that doesn't sound like a Tory MP. Like Cameron <laughs> Borthwick Jackson is like the right honourable Cameron Borthwick Jackson, but Bugail Mella not so much. But he, he came on uh, for Chung and a really good driving run from which Gomez did really well to win and talk about take-ons. Like they both took players on. Gomez won the free kick and then forced like a really good save out of their keeper. And that was like Gomez's best period of the game because he shortly after that put in a beautiful ball from Greenwood who got his positioning absolutely right but kind of leant back on the shot and the, the ball went over to, to prevent an equaliser. Greenwood, who I think has by a margin, the best centre-forward movement at the club, apart from the manager at this point. Yeah, yes. Yeah, oh, no, that's right. It's all natural to him, isn't it? And that's why he creates so many chances uh, and he's able to take so many shots. And and the stats folk would tell you that he's going to score a lot of goals as a result, you'd think. Yeah, and I do think, um, I mean, you know, I'm a big advocate for AM9, but, um, but I think, it will be increasingly nice to see when when Greenwood plays to see him play at the at the kind of tip of the spear because he just apart from his physicality because he's so young he has absolutely everything already to score. I mean, we saw you know he's literally scored goal in the Premier League four days ago, so you know he can clearly score goals in the Premier League. Um, and and he's got to be managed carefully in terms of his physical development and stuff, but but his intellect, his football intellect, is absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. And it's well, such spend, an advantage that he can score right foot, left foot and header, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we spent a lot of time on the back of the show last week talking about Robin Van Persie. And it, I know it's been said and to the point it's almost a cliche, but his movement is so reminiscent, isn't it? Just just natural and peels away from defenders. He's going to be impossibly difficult to mark. 
Yeah, absolutely. And he's just very thoughtful as well. You can you can see it, can't you? You can see he's a he's a thoughtful footballer. All right, I guess that's the um I mean, you know, it's a, a defeat away at a side in Kazakhstan. You'd think maybe it would be a bit more negative about it, but I feel like it'd be ridiculous to be excessively critical and negative over what was essentially uh, a good performance by a bunch of very young players let down by a couple of moments, including a moment of being badly let down by one of the one of the players in the side who was supposed to be there for experience and seniority. Yeah. Uh, very true okay well uh, that's that for the Astana game after this short break we'll take you through a preview of the Aston Villa game enjoy no question about that if so let others know about us the best way to do that is leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and hit that subscribe button I have seen a lady who plays the saxophone give her a big applause so, Villa. What do we think about Villa then? Mixed bag of stuff this season. They've taken a lot of L's, as you like to say. Um, defeated Liverpool and City and Wolves in the last month or so. Uh, one at the weekend versus Newcastle. It doesn't look like they're in serious danger of like being drawn into like deep, deep relegation trouble. But, you know, they're down towards the bottom end. I mean, um, they redefined the word comfortable victory against Newcastle on Monday night at, at home. And yeah, they lost away to Wolves. I don't, don't know any other teams who've done that. Oh no, we didn't lose to them this season. They're progress, see? Solskjaer's right. Um, oh, by the way, a lot of people going absolutely nuts about Solskjaer saying last season we would have lost four or five nil against Sheffield United. <laughs> and this time we came back. And to be fair... Rightfully so. He takes the um, obsessive positivity a little far sometimes. And you don't need to be a body language expert to work out that the look in his eye doesn't always match the words coming out of his face. Yes, he's, he is very good at talking a good game. Will he be talking a good game before this this uh, this fixture against Villa? I mean, you know, he's going to be positive. He's, his team have had a rest. They, they, most of them haven't. I mean, I don't think there'll be anyone from the Astana game that'll start the game against Villa. Um, no, I can't imagine. Lingardsebe might. Yeah, it's unlikely. Probably won't. It, I don't think he will, and I don't think Lingard has played himself into the team or anything like that. So uh, it'll be a, it'll be a fresh team, which will be nice after a European night. And uh, we're we're playing a, a team in Villa that's not in awesome form. Or anything like that. We have, and I know amongst the doom and gloom uh, of last week's result, we've actually scored three goals in each of the last three Premier League games, right? And and can score a goal before that. So, no, we we've scored we scored three goals three games in a row, but one of those was against Partizan. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, in in the in the so we beat Norwich. We scored three against Norwich. Three against Partizan. Then, yeah, uh, three against Norwich. Then we lost one nil uh, to Bournemouth. Then it was uh, Partizan and um, who we we scored three against someone else. Sheffield as well. United, Brighton. Brighton, and Brighton. Yeah, and yeah. then Sheffield United. So yeah, we, we we scored a lot of goals, and and they've been coming from our front three being good. So I was looking, at, I was looking to the data around Villa. Um, and so that Liverpool game, it was widely reported that Liverpool were quite lucky to win that game. But I think more accurately, 
Liverpool didn't get unlucky and not win that game because they definitely generated the kind of chance creation that you would expect to win a game. But it, it was very late on that they turned it around. I think it was indeed in injury time that they they equalised and then scored. The Liverpool winner. done that a few times this season, actually. And uh, I mean, yeah. a, a few people are pointing to that and saying, "Hmm, interesting. We'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see whether that holds." But actually, I, I think their their numbers, the underlying data, looks very positive. Um, where they've got a humongous December, which I, I guess we hope they'll uh, take the wheels off the bus of their season. That was just then, totally brutalised that. Um, but um, anyway, back onto Villa. Um, uh, you know, dominant against Newcastle, narrow loss against uh, Liverpool, narrow loss against Wolves, and narrow loss against City as well. Yeah, but all three of those games. Uh, the opposition side generated a lot more chances than them, which you would think like, oh, maybe that's good for United. But actually, the thing that worries me, I've not seen a ton of Villa this season. The thing that really worries me about this is they have really like sat deep and looked to hit big teams on the counter-attack. I mean, Villa have been at their best against Newcastle and Norwich, for example, who they absolutely battered. Um, being on the front foot against teams in and around the same level that they are, and and I don't think they're going to get relegated at all. Largely, I mean, not in not in no small parts. The fact they've got two really good players in the side in John McGinn and Jack Grealish. Um, Jack Grealish, he looks this time. He looks ready for prime time this time around, basically. Yeah, I mean, he's had some good performances, and he's a composed player. Uh, it's it's taken a long time for that. He's not. I mean, he's a young man, but he's he's not inexperienced anymore. Uh, John McGinn, um, yes, I mean, it's his sort of first uh, big break into the Premier League. What I would say against Villa is they concede a lot of chances, right? So even though they will sit deep and try and break against United, just the, the numbers here like suggest United might be able to create a few more chances than is often the case against teams that play this way. It just worries me that... Um, they they create chances against they give away chances against teams that are better at creating chances than United are because that's seem would seem to be our weakness. One one of the interesting things looking down there, kind of who scored strengths and weaknesses, weak against chances given up on the counter attack. So fingers crossed, fingers and toes crossed, they actually try to come out with the ball and and we uh, we smack them on the counter attack because we 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 are actually genuinely good at that at this point. And and we have some forward players in good form. So, uh, Lingard, not Lingard, his partner in crime, Marcus Rashford, has been scoring a lot of goals recently. Uh, Martial is fit and presumably will start at number nine. Dan James didn't have a great game against Sheffield United, as we mentioned last week, but... Well, he was also easily one of the most influential and important players in the four minutes that United were good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The whole four minutes, yeah. Oh, the cutback for the the cutback for the third goal. I, I'm, great, great stuff. I mean, and, and when he does that kind of stuff, you you see there's uh, there's um, a real opportunity for him to develop. There's a lot of maturity in parts of his game. You know, it doesn't all come together at the same time. But you know, he's 21, first season in the Premier League. After that game, it was kind of interesting what Sasha said about him said he's the best defensive winger in the world which I think was a little too much what he's saying is he's good at tracking back yeah <laughs> Sasha says a lot of stuff I don't know he's it's hard for him to retain any credibility he needs he's gonna need to, I mean because we didn't even really talk that much about the tactics in that 
in that Sheffield United game, but it's been interesting listening to the takeaways and all the kind of analysis after oh, the fact. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, look, we did talk a little bit about it and Solskjaer got it desperately, desperately wrong, basically. I mean, not, not least Phil Jones. Uh, a little sidebar on Phil Jones. Uh, piece out today saying although he has um, a clause in his contract that allows for a testimonial, he's uh, he's self-deprecating enough to say that uh, he won't be taking it up. Apparently, the quote is, only his wife would come. No, only his mum and dad. A uh, mum and dad. Mum and yeah, dad. that's even sadder. His wife, even his wife doesn't want to come. Um, the, 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 uh, I've seen a lot of people say that this made them feel sorry for Phil Jones, which I completely understand on a human level. Um, I also think it makes me feel a little bit sorry for Manchester United, who've employed Phil Jones for... 10 years and have not got a career worthy of a testimonial out of him you know I mean obviously injury has played a big part in that but and and in fact you know honestly probably the truth is injury is the single biggest reason why his development has consistently stalled oh sure yeah for sure look he's not a better player now than he was when he was 18 right his game just hasn't progressed at all and and most of that's down to injury and just his inability to be able to play any number of games in a row, you know, and and it is a shame because like the raw ingredients there, he's become a bit of a joke, but that wasn't the way people saw him when he was a youngster. They really did see him as, as having the potential to be uh, a really great player, as Ferguson said in his final game. So it's a shame, but you know, clearly you were right about Phil Jones when we talked about his contract. And uh, I think I said, uh, we had a, didn't we have a debate about why Jones signed a new contract? And I said it was asset protection. Now it's, uh, oh, it might have been Phil Smalling, Chris Smalling, um, Mike Smalling, one of them. Uh, it's the same, it's the same thing now. He's, it's now an albatross around United's neck, uh, because like who, who will pay? We'd have to pay Jones off to leave. Um, yeah. and, and so we've got this player that I'm pretty sure that Solskjaer doesn't want in the squad, uh, now here for the long term, another four years. <laughs> Four more years, four more years. Um, I think we've probably exhausted all the village. I mean, the one thing is, tactically, they they have played 4-3-3 most of this season. Uh, They've occasionally gone to the 4-1-4-1, but, you know, really, honestly... You've got you really got to be looking at positional data. Yeah, exactly. So we are going to, which is interesting because it'll be interesting to see what Solskjaer does. Whether I mean, there's surely he won't try that free at the back business, which would just be. I mean, you just can't see that. So he's going to have to find three midfielders from somewhere because there's no um, uh, suggestion that the injury crisis has abated, is there? We are looking at Fred Pereira and a n other in the centre of midfield. Yeah, well, basically. Basically, yes, which I suppose could could mean Jesse Lingard comes into it. He's been out an awful long time, though, and, and so that seems very unlikely. And uh, I'm sure that um, neither Levitt nor Garner, given that they played the full game today, will be um, in store to start either. So, yes, it's going to be a risk. Going three at the back would mean three versus three. I, I w- There's not a three I would pick of United's defenders that I'd trust to go 3v3, even against Aston Villa. I think it would be... A- Horrible, horrible mistake to do that. Yeah, so I, I let's assume he plays a back four. I mean, what what is the starting eleven going to look like? So you've got the the kind of back four somewhat picks itself with De Gea and then AWB, Maguire, Lindelof, and Williams. Probably, yeah. Could, um, Young could come back into the side, I suppose, but he could do, yeah. Um, and then 
up front, we know who's going to play. So that's three more positions. Assuming he plays 4-2-3-1, that's two central midfielders and a number 10. Yeah, so Fred definitely plays. I guess yeah. Pereira plays because he always does. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's as definite as anyone Which else. Which is really. one more spot available, and, and it's not clear. I mean, it could be Lingard. It could be Mata, I suppose, if he wants to yeah. try and get some control. He's done that a couple of times this season. It doesn't really work, does it? Well, it's worked. It worked brilliantly against Partizan, weirdly. And if we sort of think about Villa as a kind of team that are not particularly structurally sound, in that they they cough up a lot of chances, you could possibly do worse than play Mata at number ten in that game. But the idea of, I mean, I, I like the idea of Mata playing as a number ten against some opposition still, even now against some opposition in front of the right two, but in front of Pereira and Fred. I mean, we really could be looking at an absolute disaster. And then it's going to be, I mean, this is just a repeat of what I said before the Sheffield United game, but it's all going to be about do our front three, do good stuff. That's like really reductive, but like individual defensive errors and the front three playing well, those are going to be the key factors in the game rather than anything structural. Yes. Well, unless Solskjaer makes some horrible mistakes. (laughs) I mean, look. Oh yeah, well, it's possible. Stars make games and structure does make a big difference to how teams perform. I mean, unfortunately, United have never really under Solskjaer become a cohesive team. We're still reliant on uh, on not making those individual mistakes at the back end and individual brilliance up front too often uh, for a team, which is one of the things that gives me most pause for thought uh, around Sol- Solskjaer's future role. So uh, that was the first ever episode of the new No Question About That podcast. You, it might p- bear a passing familiarity to some of you of, of pre-existing podcasts. I mean, for example, our friend Charlie at Charlnado says he's appreciate that we're excited by the news of twice weekly podcasts and everyone is, but there's no need to make his phone download the last 78 podcasts we've released. Oops. Yes. Really sorry. My, my bad that, that one. My bad that one. But look, we did have a couple of messages, uh, a, a few people taking the piss out of us and complaining, not, not seriously about that one. A few people indulging in uh, nostalgia as a result, including someone who listened to episode 151 after we'd, Beating Aston Villa, again, we talked about an awful lot on uh, last week's Backers Pod, uh, in which you said, apparently, this is the start of a new era. Well, I mean, it certainly it felt, was. It, it really felt like it at the time. It felt like a you transition right, away Paul. from Rooney. It just wasn't bringing... a good one. <laughs> yeah, but at that point, that was before we knew that Fergie was going and it turned out that uh, it was a new era in which literally everything was ruined forever. That's, you know, no question about that. <laughs> Very good. All right, well, we'll see you again on uh, Monday. Can't wait. Bye now. Thanks a lot. And before we go, just a quick word about our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash NQATpod. If you really like the show, uh, back us there from $1 and up and you can access some really cool rewards like T-shirts, artwork and mugs. No question about that.